The reading is from Joshua chapter 13, verse 1 to 33. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains. All the regions of the Philistines and Geshurites, from the river Shihor on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north, all of it counted as Canaanite, though held by the five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, the territory of the Avites on the south, all the land of the Canaanites, from Era of the Sidonians as far as Aphek and the border of the Amorites, the area of Byblos and all Lebanon to the east, from Balgad below Mount Hermon to Lebohamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions, from Lebanon to Mishrafeth, Maim, that is, all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for, inher- for an inheritance, as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, had received the inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan, as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. It extended from Aroah on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town in the middle of the gorge and included the whole plateau of Medaba as far as Dibon and all the towns of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, out to the border of the, Ammoni- the Ammonites. It also included Gilead, the territory of the people of Geshur and Makkah, all of Mount Hermon, and all Bashan as far as Salika, that is, the whole kingdom of Og in Bashan, who had reigned in Ashtoreth and Edrai. He was the last of the Rephaites. Moses had defeated them and taken over their land. But the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Makkah, so they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. But to the tribe of Levi he gave no inheritance, since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance, as he promised them. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Reuben, according to its clans. The territory from Aroah on the rim of the Arnon Gorge, and from the town in the middle of the gorge, and the whole plateau, past Medaba, to Heshbon and all its towns on the plateau, including Dibon, Bamoth Baal, Beth Balmion, Jahaz, Kedemoth, Pephath, Kirithim, Sibma, Seth Shahir on the hill in the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of the Pisgah, and Beth Jeshemoth, all the towns on the plateau, and the entire realm of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled at Heshbon. Moses had defeated him, and the Midianite chiefs, Evi, Rechim, Zur, Hur, and Rabbah, princes allied with Sihon, who lived in that country. In addition to those slain in battle, the Israelites had put to their sword Balaam, son of Beor, who practiced divination. The boundary of the Reubenites was the bank of the Jordan. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Reubenites, according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Gad, according to its clans. The territory of Jazer, all the towns of Gilead, and half the Ammonite country as far as Arawah, near Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramoth Mizpah and Betanim, and from Mahanaim to the territory of Debir, and in the valley, Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukkoth, and Zaphon, 
with the rest of the realm of Sihon, king of Heshbon, the east side of the Jordan, the territory up to the end of the Sea of Galilee. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Gadites, according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the half-tribe of Manasseh, that is, to the half of the family of the descendants of Manasseh, according to its clans. The territory extending from Mahanaim and including all of Bashan, the entire realm of Og, king of Bashan, all the settlements of Jair in Bashan, 60 towns, half of Gilead and Ashtaroth and Edrai, the royal cities of Og and Bashan. This was for the descendants of Machir, son of Manasseh, for half of the sons of Machir, according to their clans. This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab across the Jordan east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. Now when is the best time in life to serve the Lord? Is it when you are at school? When you are at university? When you get married? When you retire? When is the best time? How do you serve the Lord? Do you serve the Lord as you do your schoolwork? When you are working, when you are at home, when you are telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ, what does it mean to serve the Lord and what's the best time? Now, I remember... uh, a sermon being preached back in 1978 in a church in Belfast. And the sermon was taken from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, where Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, the preacher on that occasion said that as he meditated upon this verse, that the thought came into his head. He thought to himself, I have been a good Christian. I have served the Lord. I will be a good Christian. I will serve the Lord. And he thought that he should check up. Was that a good thought? Or was it a bad thought? And he concluded that it was a very bad thought indeed. How can the thought of serving Christ be a bad thought, a bad idea? Well, he went back to the verse to examine carefully what it said, and the verse said this. So that now, now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. He decided that it was not good enough For him to live in the past or to live with expectation of the future and fail to live in the moment. 
What was important was now, was today. So what happened to you 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago? Now, while that may be a significant memory, that's not food for today. Today is the most important day of your life. Because this is the day that the Lord has given you. Thinking of now. When the people of God in the Old Testament returned back from exile, they laid the foundations for the temple. And the young men celebrated. They shouted for joy that this great work had been done. But the old men and the old women, they cried and lamented because the temple was not as good as the temple that they remembered. When Liz and I were in Belfast shortly after we got married, we wanted to start a children's work in the church that we were going to. There was no children's work at that time. And there were naysayers. Oh, it'll never work. This, in this day and age, it'll never work. Children are not interested. Parents won't send them. But there was a small enough group that we supported each other and we said we'll go out and visit the homes in the area. And we managed to get a group of about 40 children to come along to a children's club and they attended regularly and that went on for quite a number of years. And we rejoiced at the goodness of God. But one older man in the church said, you know, it wasn't like that in my day. In my day, we had 200 children. And I felt a bit discouraged by that remark. But we carried on nevertheless. And a little while later, I I began to think about what that older man had said. And I concluded that he was wrong. Yes, the past was his day, and yes, he maybe had 200 children, but today was still his day, and he now has 40 children. But he was living in the past. Look at what the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 13 and verse 1. When Joshua had grown old... The Lord said to him, you are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. You, Joshua, are very old. You can now put your slippers on, put your dressing gown on. And sit by the fire and think about those great battles that you fought. That's not what it says. But that's what we do. That's the way that we think. I used to be able to work very long hours. And and probably working very long hours for many long years has contributed to some of the health issues that I, that I currently have. 
But health issues are not. This is the day that the Lord has given me. Not what I was able to do 10, 15 years ago, but what the Lord enables me to do today. That's what is important. You see, God had not finished with Joshua. Joshua was not finished because he had grown old. There was still much left to be accomplished. Now, I cannot do today what I used to be able to do 10 years ago, but I can still do today what the Lord enables me to do. Yes, I know that you cannot do what you used to be able to do. You don't have the energy. You don't have the physical capacity and maybe even the mental capacity to do what you used to do. But so what? You're moving on. But today is still your day. This is the day that the Lord has given. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You may have retired from your job. What's the retirement age for Christians in the kingdom of God? There is no retirement age. If you told the French that, how many of them would go on strike? They're trying to get the the age of the state pension increased from age 62 to 64. And we are already here at 66. Now maybe I'm a bit upset with the French because they played really well yesterday. But do you get the point? There is no retirement age in the kingdom of God. God does not retire you until he takes you home to be with himself. And of course, when he does that, there still will not be retirement because you will be invigorated. You don't go there to heaven to put your slippers on, but you're renewed. Your old age and frailty, that does not weaken the hand of the everlasting God who is the God of your life. Yes, I cannot work the hours that I used to be able to do, but what is important are the hours that I am awake today, because this is the day that the Lord has given. As older people, We are in a great position to encourage the youth of today as they utilize the energy that they have and put that energy into the church. But let us be careful that we don't discourage the youth of the day by saying things like, oh, it was so different in my day. It wasn't. You are imagining things. Face the reality. 2023 is still your day. 2023 is more important than 2022 because 2022 is gone. And you're never going to get it back. 
And 23 is more important than 2024 because we might never see that year. As Paul says, so that now, today, this moment, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. As the older generation, we can look upon the younger generation and feel that they are not experiencing what we experienced. Back in our day, the churches were better attended. Back in our day, preachers were better preachers. The younger men today can't preach like the men of old. The younger generation, they're, they're growing up in terrible times. Who's in charge of the church? Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know how long I have left in life. But are things going to fall apart because I'm not here? You know, when I used to travel away on, on, on work, going overseas, Lord, look after my wife and children while I'm away. Now, it's a good enough prayer to pray. But who do I think looks after them when I'm here? God in Jesus Christ. You see, it's not, Lord, when I'm here, I'm in control of things and I'm looking after things. But when I'm overseas, I need you to step in and, and look after things for me while I'm away. When I come back, you, you can go and do something else. It, it's not like that. And the church is not like that. You say, but we had great preachers in the past. God doesn't want them here today. If he did, they would still be here. But we had great believers in the past. God doesn't want them here today, or they would still be here. God has you here. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. The younger men today we need to be, and uh, younger people today need to be encouraged. We may feel sorry that that this world that we're bringing up children in and our grandchildren are growing up in. What a terrible world it will be! How, how will they survive all of this stuff? Just the same way that we survived. God came to our aid, and He will come to the aid of His people. And he will be with them. We commit our children, our grandchildren, into the hands of a mighty God who cares. And we commit our church into the hands of Jesus Christ because Christ is the head of the church. I'm sure we've all listened to the horrible news about what the Church of England have decided to do in their wisdom disgraceful things that they have done, dishonorable things that they have done, 
things that are opposed to what the Bible teaches. And they do it in the name that they're caring, that they're progressive. And they're disobeying God's word. Shame on them. But what about the church? The last time I looked, Jesus Christ is the head of his church. The last time I looked, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't care what the Archbishop of this or that says or does. Because Christ is in charge of his church. Not an Archbishop, not a bishop. You can put whatever color of robe you want and hang whatever weight of cross you want around your neck. It does not change the fact that Christ is in charge. So that now, today, Christ will be exalted in my body. Jesus will continue. You see, I'm getting older, but Jesus is not. Jesus is not getting older. I'm becoming weaker, but Jesus is not becoming weaker. I've got some medical health issues, but Jesus doesn't. And he won't. And he's still in charge of the church. Which gives us the courage so that now as always, today... Christ will be exalted in my body. The church of Christ is okay because Christ is in charge. And the people of God will come into the kingdom and the gospel will be preached. Coming back to the book of Joshua, if you remember when we started out our studies on, the book, on this book, we said that the book was divided into three parts, and we now come to a whole new section of the book of Joshua. Up until this point, we have, we have entered the land, we have conquered the land, and so far what we've looked at, it's the kind of stuff that revival accounts are made of. The battles, the victories the taking of the land, the mighty acts of deliverance that God performed in the midst of his people. But this next stage, the possessing of the land, the settling down, worshiping the Lord in the land, bringing up our families, teaching the children about the goodness of God, setting up industry, setting up employment, settling down to -to day-to-day life in the community. That's the difficult bit. I could well imagine a few old boys battle-hardened sitting around the fire and saying, you know, things were better in my day. We had great leaders like Moses and, and Joshua back in my day. We were out there fighting mighty battles. We saw the Lord great, mighty in battle. And now what are we doing? We're planting barley and corn and wheat. We're milking cows. What, have, what has become of us? We go to church every weekend and there's not much happening. Oh, for those great days when there were battles to fight. 
victories to win, land to conquer. But in the possessing the land, there were still mighty battles. The battles of getting on with each other. That's a big one. The battle for us to be obedient to the Lord. Yes, chasing Canaanites out of the hill country was far more stimulating than plodding through the fields and planting corn and barley. But this is the land that the Lord our God has given us and he brought his people to this land that they might settle in the land and possess that land. This is the inheritance that the Lord our God has called his people to possess and to enjoy. Yes, there are still battles to fight. There are many Philistines uh, remaining undefeated. And there are still lands to be, possess- to be taken. Joshua chapter 13 and verse 13 is, is a warning to the people and it's a warning to us. There was failure on the part of the people of God that didn't finish the job. There were people that had not been driven out. It was one thing to invade and conquer a territory. It was quite another thing to, per, to persevere over a period of time to settle down to the lot and life that the Lord our God had given us. You know, in the history of the church, there have been times of revival, and that has been a great blessing. But the sad fact is, that after times of revival, the churches declined. Because you see, the good old boys, they say, well, I remember in my day that God was saving people, families after families, village after village, town after town, city after city. People were getting saved and coming into the kingdom. You prayed for some soul and God came and saved them. It was great times. And you know what those people, many of them do? They make a decision. I'm not going to teach Sunday school. I'm not going to witness. I am going to wait until the Holy Spirit comes and moves in revival because work is not worthwhile doing if the Spirit of God does not come and revive us. There was a, there's an island up just off the, the coast of Scotland and there was a great revival there and there was one old boy who had survived into old age and preachers used to go to that island and make a, a, a beeline to, to visit him and listen to his story about what he experienced during revival. I was not interested. I really wasn't. Because it was what the Lord was doing today. You see, today the Lord wants us to get on with the job. Revival has not been the chief means that God has used to build His church. But the day-to-day faithfulness of His people so that now, as always, Christ be, will be exalted in my body, that I will live today as the day that the Lord has given. 
not thinking back to the 19th or 18th century and longing for for some time in the past when God has decided not to give us that. What he has given us is today so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Live in the now. What does God want of me today? People who have experienced revival don't want to do anything after the revival has passed. Many of them didn't attend church services because the services weren't as exciting as as they, they once were. They say that, what's the point unless the Lord comes back in revival? But what God wants of his people, it's not to go on fighting battles and, uh, like Joshua under Joshua's time, but he wants us now today to possess the land, to take hold of the inheritance that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. The people of God need to be faithful in the day-to-day work of the church. It's very sad that our prayer meetings on a Thursday night are so poorly attended. A brother, Victor, speaking on Thursday night passed. He said that the health of the church is determined by its prayer meeting. I'm the minister of this church, but I cannot do this job on my own. I need the people of God gathering together to pray. The church needs your prayers. The nation needs your prayers. Yes, your private prayers, but also corporate prayers. Coming together as the people of God. Can I ask you to think about that meeting and decide what your responsibility is? Can I also ask my Iranian friends to think about that meeting? You don't attend it, but it's open to you. Your nation is in a terrible state. Come and join us so that we with you can pray for your nation, that God will change it. Come join us so that we can pray for your family and that you can pray for our families. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in our bodies. Because today is the day that the Lord has given. Now, I know that many of you are waiting for the Home Office to grant you permission to to, to remain in this country. And you're looking forward to the future. And I, I feel for you, I genuinely do feel for you. But this day, today, is the day that the Lord has given you. Do you want to see a mighty thing done? 
Do you want to see the downfall of those who are terrorizing your families and your people? Come to the prayer room and pray for your country, pray for your people, pray for the church of Jesus Christ, pray for your own growth. I am very excited that we have so many Iranian Christians in our country today. Because as I listen to your story, I hear of the greatness of God, what He has done, and the great faith that you have in Jesus. One person, and she's here today, I won't name her. She'd probably look up at me in a moment. Still hasn't realized that it's her. Yes, you, you got me. It's you. You said, yes, you, yep. She was told by the home officer that she needed a solicitor. And she said to my wife, God is my solicitor. Amen. Well done. A great statement. Great faith in God. How much we can learn from you. Yes, I know more theology than you know. I know more biblical information than you know. But I humbly acknowledge before you that there's a faith that you have that can do us good. Come and pray with us. Come and share that. Come that we can learn to pray with you what the need is in your nation. And let us who are in this country set an example that we too will pray and join with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Don't live in the past, please. Yes, rejoice for the goodness of God. I, I rejoice for the family that I was born into, that I heard the gospel I rejoice for a marriage. I rejoice over children. I rejoice that children have been married. I rejoice that grandchildren have been born. I rejoice that God has been with us in the past. But today is the day that is important. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it so that now... As always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Let us pray.